Sammy Adams, everybody, the legend. What up? Boston, Boston legend, man. Um, appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, glad, glad we were able to connect, and uh, it's awesome to have you on the show. So uh, thanks so much, man. How have you been? Good, man. Yeah, I guess as good as uh, as good as we all can be at this point, you know. Um, it's crazy. It's like set going on seven months of, you know, what people thought was going to be like a month and a half or two months out of the office. So pretty, pretty crazy. But, you know, everyone's maintaining on this side. So we're good. How about you? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling, you know, just hopping in and out of Zoom, doing some classes and uh, Dope. Having fun. just trying to max out my time. So it's, it's, uh, been, it's been cool. So um, I feel you on that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Eli, two friends, and um, yeah. he was like, yeah, we just had a concert with uh, Sammy. I was like, yo, I got to reach out. I got to see what's up. So, uh, yeah, no, he was cool, man. He was cool. So um, I thought I'd give it a shot. I reach out to you as well. And, you know, obviously, you know, your story from Boston, want to learn more about it. So um, totally super pumped, super pumped to have you on. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, I, I read a little bit about it. I've seen some of your interviews. Um, you know, you, you started out. Uh, you know, grew up in Boston, grew up in Wayland. Um, you know, is it true you improvised on a piano growing up? Like, tell, tell us how you uh, got started in your musical interests. Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Cambridge. So I was about 18, um, 17, 18. And then uh, we moved out of the city. But, uh, you know, pretty young, early age, like just interested in the piano in general. Um, and then after like a shit ton of lessons that I hated, found one teacher that, you know, um, taught me how to improvise, which was like, you know, almost like a life hack in terms of the music industry, because it was pre Logic Pro and, you know, pre like everything, maybe Acid was out, which is like a PC program. But, um, you know, I had no idea, like in five to 10 years down the road that it would come in so handy with Logic Pro and all these you know, one click of a button that's usually just a piano or a drum, a drum kick can be any kind of instrument you want. So um, that was really, really dope for me as a producer um, in high school and in college. And like, that was kind of the idea that I'd be a producer because there wasn't really, you know, besides Eminem, there really wasn't any white dude besides like me, Mac and Asher that were making music, but none of us had had broke at the time um so you know it was it was a crazy weird like time in between you know there not being that many resources like now there's tiktok and you know instagram and youtube and snapchat and yada 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 the list goes on but you know for um for like my fan base and and kind of how we grew as a team um was really just like word of mouth and getting shit out to people and um you know people just spreading like the music and and really getting it out there and then going and playing it live that was a huge part of it so after that like you know we would see which songs hit live which ones didn't and you know this is like when we had like seven to eight songs so i couldn't even do a concert that i would do now back you know when i was still in school but um but yeah it's like it was a slow build. And then, you know, once we dropped Boston's Boy, shit just skyrocketed. Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, we're going to get to that. But I mean, you know, so you went to Trinity, right? Um, yeah. Is it true you, you played soccer there as well? 
Yes, sir. So, I mean, tell us about that grind, man. I mean, it, it can't be easy being a uh, student athlete and producing music, right? Like, I, I have buddies that are athletes right now, and, like, they're up all night. So, I mean, talk about yeah, talk about that balance as a student and, and really talk about that grind starting out. Yeah, um, it was, you know, the craziest part about it was, like, you already have a workload, like, being captain of your team, obviously you have a lot of responsibilities on and off the field as a captain, as a leader. You're in, you know, school, so obviously academics are important. And then you have this whole side of music. So, you know, junior year, I wasn't as focused on music, um, more so just basically on getting my shit done on time, whether or not it was a great grade or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> You know, so between music and soccer and, and, you know, everything else in between, basically, it was, it was uh, super tough at first, but like, as time went on, I've kind of learned how to finesse certain things. And then like, I really realized that you got to pick your teachers, right? So like, instead of just signing up for like, a class that mad people took that was either interesting or yeah, mad easy yeah, yeah. you know you pick professors that understand your you know kind of like dilemma where it's like listen i have like this much time to do this this and this and like some right. people would be like yeah go fuck yourself like yeah, this is yeah. college so <laughs> um yeah. so a lot of a lot of it was like you know picking the professors and picking what i wanted to do because like the shit that i was studying i wanted to be able to not like you know verbatim put into like the work that I do but also you know have something and learn something in terms of a major that I can you know use in everyday life and you know a big part of that was like like philosophy and all that stuff so I, I got super into that so it wasn't really like schoolwork. it was um it was stuff I was interested in so um as time went on it got impossible to do all three things um and, you know, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise that I got injured like second game of the year, senior year, um, because then, you know, like I, I wasn't going to come to practice and be on the sidelines, you know, all like fucking crutched up and shit. Yeah. So gave me time to work on music and, you know, and keep up with the schoolwork type shit. But, um, you know, after that, I really got. I would get, you know, eight to 12 hours a day of producing or writing songs instead of just, you know, a spare hour, maybe. Right. Yeah. That's so, um, that's crazy. So it was, it, it was nuts, but, um, you know, in the long run, like I was so like heated and, and disappointed that I got injured and was out for the year, but in hindsight, um, probably the best thing to ever happen to me. So. Wow, man. So, I mean, up until that moment, would you say like you were more invested in soccer? Like, were you looking at, you know, post-college or post-graduate, like, you know, playing more soccer or? or... Um, I mean, it's, it's so like, it's so different for every level. Like, I mean, like we, we were good. Like I was good, but not to the level where like, you know, I was going to go pro. So um, I think a lot of that had the same, I had the same mentality. It's like, you know, look, I'll play in college, see what happens. You know, if, if something comes up and I get a tryout, cool. If not, is what it is. But, you know, definitely, um, definitely wasn't like setting my goals on, you know, some like super, super club shit. 
No, man, I mean, respect. I mean, up until that moment, like, what were what was the reaction from your peers, right? Like, the people you were hanging out with in college, like, saying, man, like, you know, they see you really grinding on music. You said eight to ten hours a day. Like, they probably were like, yo, where, where's Sammy at, man? Like, I mean, talk, talk about that. Like, what was the initial reaction and maybe what their reaction is like today, seeing where you're at? Um, Yeah, the, it's actually mad funny because, like, back then – um on the on like the macbooks that apple were making for logic pro you needed a usb stick to to open up logic so my friends were so tired of me just like being tucked away in my room or just having headphones on that they would just steal that so i wouldn't be able to fucking do shit i wouldn't be able to record i couldn't even open the thing so like they would steal and be like you're hanging out with us tonight and i'd be like okay bet um so but but like super supportive you know a lot of the um you know, a lot of the summers that we spent working shitty jobs and like, you know, maybe walking away from our summer job with like a thousand bucks. Um, a lot of that kind of helped cultivate the sound I wanted to make and like stuff that, you know, we were either listening to on the radio while we landscaped or worked like carpentry jobs or, you know, odds and ends type of shit and kind of blending electronic music with hip hop music. Um, and pop music at the same time, which at the, which at that time like no one was really doing and no one really understood it, um, which is which is awesome because you know that we kind of had that lane carved out. But the um you know my my peers and the homies were always super honest with me, and that's like the most important part of the whole thing. It's like you know to not have like my boys are my boys so they don't feel the need to say oh this shit's fire when it's like in your head it's like this is hot dog shit yeah yeah you know um so it like my whole my whole uh circle was was really supportive and you know if a song they didn't like came up and i was playing it for people they had no qualms airing it out being like this is this isn't my my shit you know yeah 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 man that's crazy man i mean that's wild so i mean talk about like when, when you graduated college and or you know that next stage right like were you were you that certain like you know I, I gotta pursue this full-time like producing music establishing myself as a as a rapper or you know talk about like were some of your peers or even family members saying you know hey Sammy like you know are you thinking about internship are you thinking about resume building like oh yeah what what's going on in your head and in, in, in you know what kept you going um i mean a lot of that stuff was like you know just buzzing around my head like junior year like how to how are we going to balance this and um you know is this is this realistic and a lot of you know a lot of people were kind of asking the same question people that cared about me at the time like what are you going to do in 10 years when your career were you know, may or may not take off, or, you know, maybe you never tour, you're never even big enough to sell out, you know, the smallest room in this town. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it was kind of just like an intuitive, like inner feeling where it was like, I've built something at my own college, which is obviously Trinity College is not like, you know, it's in Hartford, but it's very preppy. Um, definitely not like, you definitely wouldn't go to like Trinity college to find like a hip hop head, you know? Yeah. Um, so a lot of people that didn't know me that weren't my peers were like, yeah, all right, dude, good fucking luck. Like, 
You're which, wrong, which, man. <laughs> which is, which, yeah, I mean, it's understandable. You know, it's like, <clears throat> it's for something like that that's never really been done, just like, you know, dropping out of school and just jumping, you know, feet first right into the fire. Um, it was dope though, because like once, once it started to take off, it was, um, you know, a pretty, pretty surreal moment for like me and everybody that believed in it. Um, and then from there, it's just like, you know, from there, you just, you just have to have, have and keep faith in your music and just work because it's like, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of it people don't realize is it's just how much work you put in and like, you don't have to put in 10 to 15 hours a day. You just got to put in time and, and, you know, with the resources we have today, like there's no reason to come out of COVID not knowing 800 more things for whatever you're you know, trait or skill or skill or whatever craft is, you know, it's like using this time is like insane because when, once things start to open up and everything goes back to normal, people that have been sitting on their hands are going to be like, Oh man, like, I'm like, I'm like a hundred steps back. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Hey, I've been listening to on my own on, uh, on repeat, bro. So, uh, yes, sir. You grinding in quarantine, man. So I I respect that. Um, Yeah. Hell yeah. So, I mean, if looking back on your college experience, like, you know, nowadays, like you got, you got all these platforms like SoundCloud and, and you mentioned like social media and TikTok, which can really like, you know, a song could blow up just like that. Right. You never know. Yeah. Um, looking back on your college experience, do you think if, if those platforms were, um, you know, more accessible or, or popular uh, during your time at Trinity? Do you think your career would have changed or maybe even accelerated then? Or do you even think about how it would be different or now? Um, I mean, with all the platforms that come out, it's like, you know, it's obviously very, the market's way more saturated than ever. Um, and it's like SoundCloud's a really good example of that with, you know, it's free to sign up, it's free to upload music. Um, you know, and there's, there's a couple other sites like SoundCloud where basically, you know, it's like you do distro deals instead of signing with major labels. Um, but, you know, it's like with those type of platforms, like I said, with the saturation factor, it's like you probably have, you know, a one in 10,000 chance back in my day to do it. And now it's probably one in a fucking million because, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like with TikTok and songs that pop off, like a lot of people will cater to TikTok or cater to Triller or like one of these sites that, you know, it either hits or it doesn't, um, but there's really no in between. So it's like, I know a lot of people that get, have gotten scammed out of money because TikTok people promise this amount of, you know, streams and this amount of likes and views and whatever. And it's like, I feel like if anyone in the Gen Z population even sniffs out that it's like pushed or like an ad or, some kind of promotion they're fucking ghost yeah yeah no absolutely man i mean well i, I think that's what's crazy about your experience right because you know what you were just telling me about boston's boy right i mean you know that transition right you were still a young kid right i believe it was around the time you graduated college right that transition um you know you didn't have those resources um accessible to you so uh you know what what was what was that like? Right. I mean, it must've been that much more surreal to be like, Holy shit. Like this is really blowing up. Like, I mean, that must've been crazy. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was basically like, you know, we 
we'd have people upload YouTube videos of the shows live and like, it's almost like cringy to watch now because it's like those first conversation. I mean, those first concerts we had were like, you know, we're hype. We're like barely getting enough money to like pay for gas and the amps that we're like bringing and shit. But, you know, it's like, that's how you build uh, the base. And, you know, with, I don't know, I guess I would say like, I would say like with everything now, yeah it kind of like, it kind of makes it harder to decide on what platform you want to really invest all your time into. Um, and like, like Facebook was huge at the time. YouTube's obviously gone soaring. So they, they still have their whole, you know, niche thing, which is more of a whole unit now. Right. Um, but yeah, with, with those type of things, it, it, it all depends on like, how it comes off and you know it's always been i've always generically and genuinely wanted to make music that is like feel good music it's almost like summertime all the time type music um which then gets like pitted into like frat rap and then you get thrown into this whole thing and like stigma of all that but it's like with music um you know it's like anything else like age and and like the only thing that should matter is how it is sonically, like how it sounds. Um, And a lot of, you know, a lot of that is hard to get through to people's heads these days because, you know, a dude that's 35 and trying to build a career isn't really trying to do like a dance on TikTok to get big. So, you know, it's like utilizing your marketing skills, obviously having a team that, um, can look into influencers and you know tiktokers and instagram influencers and all that type of shit um to help your brand but but really you have to become a brand yourself like you have to become something that people outside of your music fuck with yeah no absolutely that's crazy i just think it's crazy how like no you really did it like the traditional way you know like now I mean, now our generation, right, we're so used to what you said, like these digital platforms just posting on Spotify, TikTok, Triller, and not not as much so like live concerts, right, which is crazy. And like for you to do that, you know, that slow grind and to see the progression and then all of a sudden Boston's Boy just just blows up. That just must have been such a surreal moment, man. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, it was, it was also like, you know, the amount of emails that my manager was getting in when Boston's boy was going ape shit was, it was crazy. Cause like, you know, we're seeing emails from people that three to four years ago, we were watching, you know, interviews about them signing X, Y, Z and all these people. And, you know, then it's like, yo, you have to come to LA to go eat breakfast at Jimmy Iveen's house. And it's like, fucking wow, like wild. So like, those those type of stories with the wine and dining like those never end like they're crazy because all the music industry does is chase what the current trend is and that's the big problem with the music industry now is that everything they chase you're already too late like you're probably you know three four steps behind and you know there's there's just a lot of energy in the music industry about like a certain time of making it and 
you know, I, I always tell younger artists and artists that want to come up, whether you're younger or fucking older or whatever, just work on your craft. And like, if the music's good and you're well put together and you have a, a strong idea of what you want to make, like every, nothing's going to be airtight. You know, you got to make mistakes. You got to fuck up on stage. You got to go through the motions and like work through all you know, the things to learn how to become a performer, because just writing songs and going to the studio is one thing. Being good live is a totally another ball game. Yeah. You know, absolutely. That's that's crazy. I mean, one thing. Uh, so I watched I watched um, Dave Portnoy's documentary and he mentioned how uh, you did live performances at his events. Right. For, for Barstool. Yeah. Um, Talk about that experience doing live concerts for Barstool, right? Like, you know, for that college demographic, right? You're still still pretty young. You know, Dave's still trying to figure out, right? Like, talk about that experience, man. <laughs> crazy. Uh, yeah. You guys popped off. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it was It was kind of just like a match made in heaven. Um, we, like, we wanted to tour. They had a budget. Um they were super supportive of, you know, my music and Boston's boy and then everything we put out after that. But, um, you know, that was kind of the kickoff of like, we did like Palooza, which we hit like Amherst, which we got banned from, um, like the whole fucking town. We got, did Amherst, URI, uh, UNH, and then, yes sir. And then a couple other shows. So it was, I mean, it was crazy because the fan base that like I was building and had built at the time, plus, you know, their blog starting to gain more traction. Um, like I said, it was just, it was just like a perfect fit in terms of like, bang, we're going to like crush this. And, you know, then they went out to do like the blackout barstool dates with like Dante, who's the homie. And, you know, really it was, it was just wild because we had an idea for this to happen and then ended up, you know, getting the Mullen Center, getting the Ryan Center, which I think is in, I think is in URI. Um, but I guess Dave had some beef with Scope, so we didn't get to play the. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I heard that, bro. We're not happy, man. We're not happy. But I saw that pic of uh, of you at uh, Libby's, right? It was yeah, a... exactly. Yeah, man. Hey, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Uh, you and Dave are gonna have to team up again. Maybe, maybe give it another go or something, man. We've yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's the that's the cool thing about you know Barstool and, and our relationship is that we, you know, have always been tight. They've always supported, um, you know, Massachusetts, New England artists. And I mean, you can't really, you can't really like argue that the two, you know, brands just kind of fit perfectly for for that demographic and then you know now like barstool is insane so uh yeah. super super cool to see your homies winning and succeeding you know yeah so did dave reach out to you at that time and you know was he or how, how did oh yeah start? like how did you he, just each other or? he reached out to uh he reached out to my manager alex stern at the time and you know i i think we like i think we might have had like somewhat of a booking agency but not you know not like i do now it was just someone kind of getting the show dates trying to get everything organized seeing what venues are open you know obviously working with barstool on that 
but uh yeah he would just you know call alex or email alex and we try to um you know set up something that was within our budget and we literally sold out every single show and then did it again and then from there you know barstool took off and i was fully in the music industry yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And you killed it. And then right after that time, right, All Night Longer came out, right? Was that after? Yes, sir. So, I mean, what, what was the reaction even after that, right? Because Boston's boy popped <laughs> off, and then you had All Night Longer. Like, man, that that's the, uh, what do they say? That's like the that's like the anthem, bro. That's like the anthem at all uh, college campuses right now. I mean, I mean. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, if you, if you would have told me when we were recording that, you know, in L.A., that that was going to be like some college anthem type shit. Um, you know, it's like, it, it has like the Gary Glitter drum. So it's kind of like already the stadium-esque type anthem. Um, and like, yeah, it was, it was crazy because at first we dropped the song, people loved it. Obviously there was a lot of, um, you know, kind of back and forth between love it, hate it, don't care about it. And I mean, the love was just like way up here. Yeah. So it went crazy. And then like once once we started playing it live, we started to realize what a monster we had in our hands. Um, and it, you know, it's like there were just places that we thought the fucking floor was gonna collapse. That's crazy. That's crazy. And, and that must've been, so I mean, even, even for you, like at a young age, right? Like you're getting Boston's boy, you're going to these live concerts, right? Like a couple of years ago, you were playing soccer at Trinity. Like, was it overwhelming for you ever to like all of a sudden hear your music, like being played at basically every frat party, every party at like at these college campuses and, and being like, as you said, like anthem type shit. Like, I mean, talk about. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was never really overwhelming. Cause it was like, it was always, it was always like super stressful and like, very anxiety filled times when we were like releasing music because we obviously like, you know, we listen to what the people like, we listen to what our peers like and what the kind of overall environment of what people are releasing is like. But I mean, yeah, you can't really explain it. It was just like a fucking rocket show. Like it was, it was like the, I think the first college show we played it at was like, was like West Virginia or something. And it just, it was like the most like fucking goosebumps, like chills I've ever gotten in my life because there wasn't a single person not like going ape shit. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm talking like beers flying everywhere, everyone <laughs> singing every fucking word. So it was like, you know, it was, it was honestly like so fire to see that because within the building of RCA and Sony people are like and eh, this is this and this is feeding into this and it's like you know now I think music in college is way more like I guess it depends on what college you go to but I think I think hip-hop obviously is the number one genre popularity was um but then you have these crossovers and everything and at the time there wasn't like this is you know, pop rap. It was just like, this shit fucking slaps and makes me want to get hammered. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's it how was, I feel right now. So, <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's fire bro yeah so i mean that's dope man what a crazy story i mean yeah it's so it was it was nuts i mean it was definitely um i, I wouldn't say like overwhelming in a bad way but it was like overwhelming to see um just like the the crazy rise of just like how many people played it and then you know it's almost like we're like two years from it being 10 years old and it still is going strong um that's never gonna die bro that's gonna be living on forever man that's crazy yeah so that's that's a cool one i mean that whole you know that whole experience is just like was nuts because it like on the mainstream level that that was like that was like the joint that i needed um so it was it was fire and i'm glad that you know i'm glad that people are still banging it today yeah i mean dude it's it's just crazy right so you have boston's boy around that time you have all night longer and then like to even propel you even further like you, you had a la story like i mean dude it just kept going right i mean yeah hell yeah compare that to to all night longer la story and maybe even the meaning behind it right because i saw the music video it's dope man um you know it seems like you know living on your own right i mean talk about the meaning and and compare it to all night longer in boston's boy if you can yeah it was i mean it was interesting because it was a ballsy move to go from boston's boy you know then to all night longer into la story or it might have been vice versa but um you know with like the success for all night longer obviously you want to ride that success with something else um and it was interesting the response between people that didn't realize like i didn't move to la because i love la like i moved to la because it's way easier for me to you know tap in to you know different artists and managers and work and collab and do things. Most of my teams, like Sony ATV, my publishing, my label, all, like everything is still more so out in LA than it is in New York and Boston, which, you know, now, ironically, with COVID, you basically could be anywhere. Um, but a, a lot of people were a little confused that like there was like all of a sudden this LA story. And it wasn't like literally, this is my LA story. It's like, I'm here and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is good. And, and you know, I, I linked with Posner on it and he dug the record right away. So we just jumped right in and, um, you know, just kind of slapped that one out, which was fucking awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, can I talk about that difference, right? Boston and Cali, like, would you say you're more Boston guy, Cali guy, right? I mean- Oh, 100%, okay. 100% East Coast. Let's go, bro. Let's go. Cause yeah, it's it's just like you know, I, I love LA. I love I love the uh, you know the environment, the atmosphere out there. But it's like sometimes you wake up and you don't want it to be like a seventy-five perfect fucking sunny day. It's like all I wanted to do is to fucking rain all day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. few few and far between out there. But I'm definitely more of a Boston boy than fucking an LA an LA dude. Yeah, man. Hey, I mean, that that's awesome, man. Respect, respect. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that that's just crazy, right? Like, oh, man, I'm hyped after hearing that story, man. Um, so in, in general, for, for you, um, you know, like, what, what's a daily routine like, you know, now compared to when you were younger, right? I mean, is there, is there, uh, you know, obviously, you're still on the grind and 
know, but w- what's the difference? You know, we talked about these platforms, right? Like, is there, is there any difference in your daily routine and, 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 or are you just always staying consistent and the road to success, man, it keeps going, right? Like w- what's it like? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's like the, the, um, you know, the, this downtime we've had because of COVID is like, you know, it's obviously terrible and no one wants it to be a a pandemic in the country, but it gives you so much time to be creative. And like the first month I couldn't write shit. Like I, I just like basically was like, all right, I'm going to do everything else that I like to do and do no music because it was just like not coming out and like not making sense. But, um, you know, after like all the success with Boston's boy and all night longer and LA story and RCA and all that, like I wanted to get back to making music for me because the music that I make for myself that I dig the most was always the music like Boston's boy and, you know, all night longer and LA story. So it was a big, like, it was a big decision I had to make to whether I wanted to stay indie or stay with a major label. Um, and I just took the indie route. Yeah, respect, man. Respect. And, you know, like it seems like a lot of artists are doing that nowadays, right? Like, yeah, 100. Yeah. Did, did, did people ever recommend you to do that? Or was that all, all you? Or what was that like? Uh, just like, just the all politics and like, you know, there's there's like X amount of artists in a building, you know, especially a major label has hundreds of artists and A&Rs and there's a promo department and all these different aspects that all have their own, you know, inner politics. So it's like, you have to really come correct and come proper to the table with your ideas or else it kind of just gets shoved under the rug. So, um, you know, you really just have to like have a idea of where you want to go on your own because they're a vehicle, but like you're the wheels, like you're the engine. Like, so without your input and your creativity to be the wheels and your drive to be the engine, they're not going to do shit. They're just going to sit there and wait for you to do it. Yeah, oh, absolutely, man. I mean, respect, right? I mean, it's it was probably tough right that transition to go independent right or were you like yeah it was I mean it was it was tough it was definitely you know it was definitely um a lot more work like you have to you don't have a hundred people on one floor doing you know ads and marketing and then another fucking working on a total project management standpoint and then your A&R taking you to the studio every day every day every day every week um but it also gives you a little bit of you know like you are running the ship now so it's like all of this responsibility all of the accountability is on you and your team to deliver to the fans and it's hard sometimes to pick out what we think you know we love the most that also will have that kind of reciprocal um love from the fans which is it's kind of a difficult thing to do because a lot of a lot of times you have a song where it's like i know people will love this but i don't want to fucking play this twenty thousand times right yeah yeah no that's tough man that's tough i mean for you is there if you had to pick one song right that you feel like represents you the most right um 
know, whether it's all night longer, LA story, is there, I mean, Boston's boy, right? Like the list can go on. Is there one that, you know, you're like, man, this one, this one's me, man. Like this one, like, is there one at the top that, that you can't stop playing on repeat? I mean, I imagine, imagine you could play all, but like, if you had to pick one, right? Like, which one are you most proud of? Um, like actually not really like any of the big hits. I would say like, just love here from Boston's boy. Um, Cause it like, it taught me that like vulnerability isn't like being a pussy. It's like showing people what your life is like and how you feel about certain things. And, you know, it's like, it's like, it's not all like, you know, rainbows and sunshine over here. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like competition and a lot of like shit to deal with business wise and, um, you know, touring wise and stress in terms of just being on the road and not being on the road. Um, but that song like kind of taught me like speak your mind and like, that's kind of the sleeper track that so many people reach out to me, you know, five, 10 years later and are like, this song helped me so much in high school or college or like post-grad. And that's the coolest shit for me because it's like, you know, music for me, the music I listen to is like, <clears throat> it's either there to hype you up, pump you up, lift your spirits, you know, gets you out of a mood. It's it's all like music is is so many like emotions and feelings for me when I listen to other people's music that, um, when you can compartmentalize and really organize and focus all your ideas and thoughts and memories and all that, plus have it be catchy, plus have it, you know, be well received is fucking hard. So um, that's definitely the song that kind of gave me the, what's up, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Yo. What's up, dope? Yo. Dope. Dope. <laughs> Yo, what's his name? What's her name? Rocket. Rocket. It's, it's, a, it's a dude, but we call him pretty little girl. Get out of here. Hey, let's get a rocket. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that, that song was really um, you know, that song was really like cool because I I basically felt like a more comforting vibe writing records like they were more introspective and like that opened up a whole new lane to me writing for other people and collabing with other people and you know not necessarily feeling like I always have to write this in first person, like coming from Sammy's voice. Right, right, right. No, absolutely, man. I mean, is there one collab that, that was your favorite or, or is there a collab that you wish to do in the future? I mean, is there anything that sticks to your mind with that or not? Um, tons of collabs that I'd love to do in the future. Um, you know, the Posner collab was a super vibe. We did a couple records after that too. Um, the Enrique stuff was wild because like I traveled the world because of that dude. Um, I guess not because of that dude because I fucking wrote it. But um, but yeah, like that that was really cool. It's just like every collab I had, even like just having Currency as the feature on Boston's Boy, you know, that was straight on some hip hop shit. Like that was like, I don't want any singer or you know, pop star type dude on this shit. I want a solidified OG dude they can bar up and spit yeah yeah um so 
so yeah, I mean, all those collabs were fire. I mean, working with Method Man, working with Styles P, Pharrell, Busta Rhymes. I mean, everyone, you know, it's like all those are so surreal because like, I mean, probably I'd have to say like Pharrell, it was like next level for me just because he's like a, a guru to me. Um, and, you know, like a lot of, a lot of the times you go in with like, a person and a lot of people say never meet your idols because you know a lot of the times people are you know dealing with shit full of themselves arrogant you know just assholes and some people are amazing um but he was just like a breath of fresh air that i needed like kind of on my exiting out of rca um that gave me like a big creative kind of like push and inspiration um and he also just drops fucking dimes. Like he just drops gems. Like being in the studio for like 10 hours a day with him, it's like, you know, if I if I could not be sketchy and just record the whole fucking thing, I would have done it. But Dude, uh, yo, <laughs> we need a documentary, bro. <laughs> that shit, for real. No, yeah, that's yeah, 100. What, what about B.O.B.? I said like the B.O.B. All Night Longer remix. Did you ever- Oh, hell yeah. I mean, me and, me and B.O.B. been cool since- since way back like since he wrote airplanes with with Haley from Paramore so like uh you know he, the cool thing with me and B.O.B is that we did a lot of touring together um so we'd cross paths like in the middle of two bus tours and be on like the same college you know lineup and it was dope because like our boys were obviously mad cool with their dudes we had collabs in the past obviously the all night longer joint slapped um, and we just became homies and that's the most important part of the music industry is like if you catch a vibe with someone I guarantee you you'll make a fire song with them if it's like yo here's 25 bands to do a fucking song for my artists more likely than not you're gonna be like okay word I'll knock this shit out of the park but it's not like we're gonna be like buddy buddy like when you have that chemistry and like if if he's on before me or I was on after him you know, we bring each other out. So it would be like a cool moment where like, if it was a more pop leaning crowd at a radio show, he would bring me out to do all night longer and people would go ape shit. If it was a more like, you know, if it was a more hip hop crowd, I would bring him out to do, you know, one of his joints and, you know, of the all night longer remix. So a lot of it, you know, is, is kind of, kind of just like, depending on how you meet, what the vibe is like. And, you know, it's pretty pretty easy to tell with, with certain people whether they want to be in the studio with you or not. Um, yeah. Like, they kind of just look at you like, fuck are you doing here until you leave? Um, I'm, I'm probably guilty of that too, but. Yeah. <laughs> is there been, has there been one artist that, I mean, is there anything that sticks to mind that you experienced that sort of shaped or no, not really? Not, not really. I mean, anyone that's anyone that's like, you know, if it's a closed session and you walk into a closed session, like everyone in that room is going to look at you like you're fucking crazy. Um, Cause sometimes you walk in and it's like Mariah Carey or Jay-Z and Beyonce. And it's like, Oh my fucking bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> yo, like, yo, you got to hop on this, man. They, they, <laughs> man. they got a Beyonce remix coming, man. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, no one, you know, like no one really comes to mind in terms of, in terms of like 
bad people that you know I have bad blood with I've I've really like always tried to you know sweep grudges out of the picture and dead any beef that we had you know there's uh, there was obviously a lot of people that didn't like me at the time because I was probably doing what they wanted to do um and for a lot of people they didn't look at my music as hip-hop so um you know who cares really at the end of the day but uh but yeah it was you know it's 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 funny because it, it's all like once you get to a certain point in the music industry it's all just you know, I'm in this room, you're in that room, that shit sounds dope, that shit sounds dope, or you just, you know, go along with your day and mind your own fucking business, which is usually yeah. what I do, like, I don't really ride dick, and I don't need anyone to ride mine. Yeah, no, man, hey, respect, bro, respect, I mean, I mean, is everyone in the same studio, basically, I mean, when you say, like, oh, Jay-Z, Beyonce, like, in, in the music industry, like, when you're in LA, I'm assuming, right, like, is, is there place where you know most artists meet up is there a certain location or not um i mean if you're like top of the top like jay-z and kanye like they rent out you know three floors of a hotel and then and then get the middle you know the middle floor have a bunch of studio equipment shipped in and they just literally record where they sleep. Jeez, man. Jeez. Yo, That's come get your come get your man's. Yo, Rocket. Yo, I, I don't want to keep you much longer, bro. But no, all good. Um, but but yeah, that's how that's how that works. It's like it's like uh, you know, that's some super exclusive shit. Obviously, it's like What, I forget what question we were on. Oh yeah, we were just talking about like um like recording, right? Like you know those artists. Like I mean, you were saying like Jay Z books out like a hotel, like three floors. Um, yeah, so so that type of thing. It's like you know that's like it, when you you're just like buku rich, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Um, so some of those sessions were crazy, but like you know me and my girl would be like recording at Jungle City in New York and you know, Mariah Carey would walk out of the bathroom and it's like, you just do a double take, like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, this is yeah. wild. Like, cause you know, it's like, it's on some, it's on some like totally wild shit that you're like actually thinking, like, there's no way I'm gonna see anyone famous in this. Yeah. But then yeah. you you run into so many people and you, you know, that a lot of the times, like even being in the same studio, it's like, I almost like, I was compared to like being in the DMs now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, a lot of songs like Roddy Rich and NLE Chopper have a song that I play on my radio show on Apple Music all the time. And he just literally slid in Roddy Rich's DMs and was like, yo, let's make a joint. And they, you know, had a top 10 song just off that. So it was like, that was kind of like the DMs back then. It's like actually being in the studio at the same time. like. You know, I shared a lot of studio time <clears throat> in the same building. And like, to answer your question about how studio time is kind of set up, the biggest, you know, celebrities and stars and songwriters, they basically either have rented out extra shit, like I said, or there's like a studio A, B, C, and you're kind of just separated in terms of however the layout of that studio is. Um, 
but you know, it's, it, it, it differs for everybody. And like some studios are super close and other studios are purposely like very far apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that, man. So, I mean, other than like Mariah Carey, like was there one artist that you were like, holy shit, like this person really just walked in right now, like in the studio, like, and you had that interaction where you were almost like, like, like you had to take a double take. Like, I mean, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit, but like, was there any, any other experience where like, oh my God, right? Like, or maybe even talk about like, if there was a point of collabing maybe, I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, Pharrell was definitely, is probably like close to the top in terms of collabing. Um, in terms of a dude just like walking in, like Nas, I almost had a fucking stroke. Like, cause he's, he's like my favorite of all time. So like him walking in and even just like being in the same presence as dude was like, I was big fanboying and holding it in hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I really did a good job at, at hiding that, but you know, it was, it was, um, that was crazy. Just, you know, being in the studio with Kanye and Kid Cudi, um, definitely wild times. Um, like when they were, when him and Jay-Z were making Watch the Throne, I got invited to like the hotel they were recording at and it was just, you know, crazy. Cause like when you're in front of these people, you know, everyone treats them like they're deities and gods and shit. And in person, like they're just pretty regular, nice people. Um, like especially Cuddy, Cuddy's super, he's just a super genuine guy, um, mad down to earth. Back then we were, we were partying a little too hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey man, respect, you gotta live it up, right? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a, it still is crazy to, you know, run into people and see people and like, and have people know who you are. Like, like I was at a, I was at a bar, like with my brother and a couple of the homies and, you know, somewhere in like Lower East Side in New York and like saw ASAP and ASAP was like, oh, you that Sammy Adams kid that we just signed to RCA. And I was like, the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, cause it's like, even though, you know, at, at that time you're on the same caliber level, it's like, I still had a lot of respect for his music and was a fan of his. Um, and, you know, it's like, he, it, for a lot of people, they think that they're idols and, and people that they want to collab with are very unapproachable. In my opinion, it's like the stupidest thing to not. It's like, look at, it's like what I said about jumping in people's DMs about making songs. It's like, you can do that to fucking 500 people. And if one person hits you back, you're good. Like, you know, there's no, there shouldn't be any egg on your face. And like, really, it's all, it's an ego thing. Like, if you, yeah. if you want to, you know, I think that a lot of that goes true with like the TikTok stuff too. Like some people think that they're too cool to use hip hop influencers or, you know, do an ad campaign on Facebook with TikTokers and shit because they're too old. It's like, well, you're literally acting too old to yeah. be successful then. Um, so, you know, it, it goes a long way to have people that, you know, are as famous as they are, but be cool as shit. Yeah, man, that's, that's insane. I mean, there, I mean, like you talked about like Jimmy Iovine too, right? Like that, he's like a, he's like a genius, right? Like smart man. Yeah. That's I mean, he was, he was like, he was very interesting. I mean, cause like he didn't understand 
the music I was making. So that's why he had me come over to try to, you know, explain to him what my vision, what my vibe was, how I built this fan base out of, you know, basically out of thin air for these people. Because most of them, you're either on a blog or super hated on a blog or somehow someone finds you, but no A&R had reached out like probably, probably over, you know, 10 entertainment attorneys turned down representing me. And then after Boston's boy, all immediately felt like idiots. Um, but you know, it's like they, a lot of people didn't think it was commercially viable music. So, um, that's the music industry for you. You know, like they put people in a bubble and sometimes it works, but most of the time, the brunt of the work you're doing for the label is to big up all the other artists that have already like broke. Yeah. And dude, you know, it's wild. Like that vibe music, like back then, like me may have been like, Oh, what? But like now that's the vibe now, man. <laughs> no, dude. You know? Like, like you must be like, dude, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Like to all these guys now, cause it is the wave now, man. Like you've seen all this, you know, hip hop, pop oriented stuff and, it, it's a new wave. So, I mean, congrats. I mean, it must be a uh, surreal, bro. I mean, to, to see it like, you know, literally like, you know, you have like all the EDM stuff, like, I don't know, just like stuff, different stuff. Right. And then, you know, back then it must've been tough, like to, to sort of differentiate like that genre. Right. I mean, you know, oh, of course through that vision. So, I mean, respect, man, respect. I mean, is, is there anyone in that you, shooting out to dms that you've been trying to get a uh, collab with or anyone that comes to mind that that reached out to you i mean especially in quarantine right i can imagine you just like you know people are sending dms like crazy in this industry right i mean is there anything yeah more? of course um i mean a lot of the a lot of the stuff i'm currently like working on i can't really disclose right now but um you know just i would say more than anything like i've been trying to um trying to organize music for you know different people I think it works for like if I'm more if I want to work with a hip-hop artist I want to have a folder of you know beats a folder of me spitting over those beats putting down hook ideas over those beats and same thing with a pop genre an electronic genre and if you know if a producer is down to mix and fuck around with everything because people think pop music and they think like okay Ariana Grande Taylor Swift blah 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 pop music is just what's fucking popular. So basically pop music right now is all hip hop and all hip hop is right now, to be honest, is pop. It's singing. It's a lot of auto tune. It's like Post Malone's the biggest in the world. Drake's the biggest in the world. So it's like name two times where they put out a song where it's just spitting. It doesn't even happen. Like, it's not like just some boom bap shit anymore. It's it's about like the hook, the stickiness, and then, you know, having having the team to um, to really push it through. But that's, you know, that's the interesting side of the, of the music industry is that the music labels are starting to lose more and more power because people want to run their own shit and fans want to find new music on their own. Yeah, man. That, no, that's true. I mean, what are your thoughts on like auto tune and stuff? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I kind of like, I kind of like like the spitting, like just the bars too. I mean, I like auto tune too. Like, I'm indifferent. Like, but I mean, do you, for you, like, what's your preference on like the rise of like auto tune and you know 
guys like Quavo, like Post Malone, like. Um, I mean, to be like, I probably, you know, shit, it was like 2000, 2009, 2010, when I was just like, hadn't dropped any songs, had very little experience producing or even being in studios. Um, and that's like when I started to write Boston's Boy and taught myself how to use autotune. And, you know, I thought it was fucking great. Cause it's like, wow, I don't have to get a singer to sing the hook now. Like I can just knock all that shit out. Um, and then like, I think like a, a year later, like Jay-Z said like, fuck the autotune cause I'm on. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, this dude's just gonna shit on everything I'm doing right now. Um, but you know, with that, it's like, like you said before about, you know, electronic music and pop music and blending it with hip hop, um, you know, being ahead of the curve, like it, it's nothing to brag about. It's not like I pioneered it, but it's cool to be ahead of that curve. Um, and you know, auto tunes, auto tune, it depends on how you use it. Like you can still be a horrifically bad singer and have auto tune on. Um, but you know, it's just, it just depends on, on people's preferences. And like, it's, it's pretty incredible today to see how many songs on like the hot 100 are straight yeah. up auto-tuned out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say you pioneered that shit, bro. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say you pioneered that shit. You're ahead of that curve, man. Respect. I mean, thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's, you know, it's not easy sometimes like staying true to the vision, you know? So it's like patience and stuff. So, um, respect, man. So representing Boston, I appreciate it, man. Appreciate yes, sir. Um, I guess to close out, I mean, I, I, to, I mean, since we're both from Boston, man, I mean, is there one Boston team that you're like, yo, that's my squad, right? Like whether it's Pats, Sox, I mean, they were awful this year. Uh, but like, super Celtic, bad. yeah, bro. So bad. I mean, is there anything that you were like, probably any team that you were more loyal with than others or not? I uh, I would I would say probably Pats, um, just because like I literally have Bill Belichick on speed dial, so it's like it's just it's such a flex, but I mean it's so far because because he's very uh, he's you know he's very personable actually in person, um, but you know as a coach as a you know interviewer interviewing him he probably seems like the biggest asshole on earth, <laughs> but, um, definitely Pats. I would say like probably Pats and C's. Um, but like, you know, grow growing up, like when we did, it's just been an incredible time for Boston sports minus the Sox and minus the bees losing to the blues. Um, but you know, like it's the last two decades have been incredible for us. So, um, yeah, I would say Pats just because, like, I just love watching football. There's nothing like just chilling on the couch on a Sunday. Yeah. Watch, watch the boys. Brady broke my fucking heart. Dude, I know. But I think everyone feels the same way about that. Dude, dead ass, bro. You know, I mean, I think Newton I, – I wasn't I wasn't confident about Stidham. Like, I don't know. I didn't see him too much, you know. Like, I felt like we were just sort of jumping him in there too much, but – I'm happy we have Newton, but it's just not the same without Brady. Like, even this past weekend when we were down with the Broncos, I was like, all right, yo, like, we're going to pull off the dub. But then, you know, we didn't, right? Like, I'm just so yeah. Brady pulling it out. Dude, it's like, I totally feel you. It's like, it's a different, you know, it's it's hard to get rid of, like, what you're, like, you're cognitively, like, conditioned 
to being like, okay, like fucking perfect example, Super Bowl. We're, we're literally losing by fucking a zillion touchdowns to the Falcons. Yeah. Somehow come back and win. It's like that type of shit is yeah. not about to happen this year. So, you know, I think, I think with, with the Pats and everything, it's going to, it's going to take like, you know, probably this whole year to get acclimated to Tom, not running the show. Um, but you know, it's like, it's like, we, we got so blessed for so many years. So we can't, can't really be mad at the, at the guy. Yeah, no, dude. I was just like, I had to take a double check, bro. Like it was like how you were with, <laughs> you know, I was like, yo, this can't happen. Like, uh, dude. And I don't know. Like, I think like Gronk scored too. And he, he did pretty good, but I mean, I don't know. It's just weird. You got you got to hit up Belichick and be like, "Yo, bro, what's up, man?" Yeah, I know. I got to I got to be like, "Yo, my man's, what's yeah. up?" Give, How give did me you some... get that? How did you get that number, bro? Like, you were just at the game and he was like, "Yo, you're Oh, no, we fire, we bro. were uh <laughs> we were at we were at fucking we were on the we were at the garden with, on like floor seats and he was like across from like where the scoring table is. Um and like at halftime, like he just came and tapped me on my shoulder and was like, "Are you Sam Adams?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Cool, I'm Bill Belichick." I was like, "Yeah, I fucking know, dude." Like, <laughs> and he was like, "Can I take a picture of you with me?" And I was like, "Like a selfie?" He was like, "Yeah." And so he took a picture of us, sent it to uh, his now wife and uh, two stepdaughters. And like the rest, basically, like there's a picture on Google that I'll send you. Uh, it's Belichick literally leaning over my shoulder and putting his number in my fucking phone. Um, so like from then from then on, it was just like call me if you ever want tickets. And like I literally haven't really used that much because I'm cool with Steve too, um, and Steve's wife, um, Jim Belichick. So like. I try to I try to not bother the big dog, but you know when you have to flex when you have to flex on someone, it's like oh yeah, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need those tickets, bro. That bro, that that is a serious flex, bro. Because I feel like he's mad selective about the number he gives out too. Like he's probably like yo, <laughs> but but hey, then you saw the subway commercial of him too, so you're probably like yo, you gotta get me free footlongs or some shit too. Yo, for real, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome, man. Hey, uh, yo, man, you're killing it. I mean, the fact that you have Belichick's number, he's he's got. <laughs> he was asking for your number, bro. Like, you yo, keep killing it, boss. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, tell Rocket I said hi. Um, I already know. Yeah, bro, and yo, if you ever need anything, just let me know, man. Keep killing it, and uh, yeah, man, I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be spreading the word. You gotta come back to UNH, bro. We gotta get. I'll, I'll just do it. <laughs> Let's do it, my guy. All right. Peace out, man. Appreciate it, Sammy. Later, dog. No problem. Go Pats. Yes, sir.